Ion 2020 episode 275. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here. This is your Thursday show of Ion 2020. Thank you for joining me. And as of today, I think the world has had like a million cases of the coronavirus. America's had 5,000 deaths and so forth. Um, I don't want to make you guys think at all that I minimize any of the deaths when I talk about the coronavirus and some of the things that I feel about in general, just the way that it's been handled by the United States government. I don't minimize any one of those deaths. Those are deaths of people that have families. Those are deaths of people that have lives ahead of them, uh, people that may not have died otherwise in the next year. Like I hear people say, oh, well, you know, it's a bunch of old people. They would have died soon anyway. I don't want to minimize that, guys. That's minimizing the idea that somebody that's 85 years old and passes away from, you know, from complications with the coronavirus, let's say they had pneumonia, they might not have had pneumonia if they had not had the coronavirus. So they might have had a year, two or five to live. They might have had COPD, that's true. A lot of people that have COPD, especially uh, people who have had it for a long time. Like, no, the number one suicide, the reason why somebody that's over 65 commits suicide is because of COPD. Like, it's a terrible thing to live with, especially in the late stages. If the, if the treatment's not working for you or anything, they say it's like breathing through, you know those little small straws that you get for your coffee? They say having COPD at the end stage is like breathing through one of those for your entire life. So you have a hard time walking anywhere because you get out of breath so easily. You have a hard time even taking in any gas of air in the first place. So late stage COPD is a terrible thing. And a lot of those people, I mean, my wife used to, she's in pharmaceuticals, so she used to sell one of the medications that they use for COPD. And I've learned a lot about COPD because of that. And they said that, the, you know, you want to get a hold of it early, you want to start treating it, you want to start figuring out ways to prolong the final stages because the final stages are terrible to the point that a lot of people who are in that age group that have COPD, the highest reason for them to die is because of suicide in some reason, in some ways, because of that. If you look at the suicide rates, the people that are over 65 that commit suicide, most likely they've had COPD. So I don't want to minimize any of these people who have died from the coronavirus. You had 5,000 people in America. Most of them are over 75 years old. A lot of those probably had COPD and they caught it. A lot of those probably had other complications, but their lives may have been extended further. Every day, is something to enjoy. Every day is something to embrace, especially when you're in your later years, I would imagine. And the families of those people, devastated, I'm sure. The press will hype it all up, and they talk about, oh, we've hit a milestone of 5,000 deaths. They know 
they know weeks ahead of times what the death rate is going to be because they know how many people are testing and they know the averages. Like I've been looking, I've been doing a lot of research on this lately. I've been doing a lot of research just to see what's going on. We're doing 100,000 tests a day in America right now. And you could assume that 25% of those are going to have the virus. So if they do 100,000 tests today, when those when those tests return, 25,000 are going to be positive. So they could tell today, in five days, how many new positive tests are going to be by averages. So if we have... I believe it's 300,000 new ca- or 300,000 cases in America as of today. I believe is the number. Or right around there. We hit a milestone, I guess. They keep calling it a milestone. We know that since they did 100,000 tests yesterday, that in five days we're going to have 25,000 more and so forth. They can tell how many deaths are going to be happening because of that as well. Because they know that of those 25,000, probably three or 4,000 are going to have to be hospitalized. And then of those three or 4,000 to be hospitalized, you're going to have a certain amount they are going to die. It's the law of averages. It's just the way things are. But when the press, they hype everything up. Because the thing that the thing is, is like you look at, the, you look at those headlines. 2.2 million people possibly may die from the coronavirus. That's the headline that they want. But that is the... That is the outlier of all of the tests, right? Or of all of the models that they run, 2.2 million deaths is like the highest outlier. That's as if you ever watch those spaghetti during the hurricane, you know, when, when there's a hurricane coming through and they have all those spaghetti models that they have and there's one outlier out over there. That's like the 2.2 million deaths is like that one spaghetti chart that one that one path that the hurricane's going to use that's going to go way outside the norm, right? They have a general idea by now how many deaths there's going to be. There's a rational number, but the but the press jumps on the 2.2 million deaths possibly or in Trump's case with his the person that keeps going the doctor that keeps getting out there and talking 200,000, 300,000 deaths. Like that's the number that you heard recently. 200,000 deaths in the next 2 weeks. We've had 5,000 deaths so far. And they're saying possibly 200,000 more deaths. And I'm just looking at these numbers and yet the thing is is it's all about a headline with the news. It's all about the headline. They want to go with the highest number of deaths. They want to go with the highest number of infections. They want to use those outlier statistics but we know that those outlier statistics are rare they know that those outlier statistics are based upon models where the public does absolutely nothing to prevent this thing so let's let's presume in our in our fantasy world here that the coronavirus is going on and the news was talking about it, and nobody did anything to change the way that they live. Nobody did made any changes to their normal daily life. The news is doing what it's doing. The news is talking about the coronavirus, but nobody makes a single change in America at all. That is the 2.2 million death statistic, right? 
So the and but everyone knows that people are going to make changes to their daily lives based upon what's going on in the news, the information that they have. So we have the information right now that says there's a virus going around. If you get into large groups, a lot of people can catch it and a lot of people die from it. And we need to stop it. So what happens? So what happens? The first thing that happens is this, because this is what happened before. The government did not really get out ahead of it. The government and the CDC and the, and the different parts of the government that are, that are supposedly responsible for catching this stuff, they did not get out ahead of it by getting testing going fast. Because there was laws in place, there was rules in place, there was regulations in place with the FDA that said that the CDC has to develop the test, they have to approve it, it takes a week or two to approve it, and then the FDA has to study it, and then before you can get out to private companies to start doing the tests in mass, it took like a month to a month and a half, and then they have to get the manufacturing going, then they have to get the supply chain going, and all of that stuff has to happen, and it all has to be approved by the FDA. All of it. So it takes a month and a half from the beginning of January until it was really not until March 13th, March 14th that they got ramped up to doing 60, 70,000 tests a day. But they knew this was coming. It was a tsunami on its way, right? So the government's not doing what it's supposed to do because it's because of the laws and the regulations that go along with trying to keep the people safe. Well, trying to keep the people safe was one of the things that helped to get this thing out of control. But those numbers, the 2.2 million number, that is if nobody went about, nobody changed anything about their day, then you might have 2.2 million deaths. But you know that there's a tsunami coming. People see it. Most people start moving in the direction away from the beach, right? In the same case with the coronavirus, most people started social distancing on their own. Most people followed the the words, like the the counsel of the news and the people that were talking about staying away from people, getting into social distancing, not going to big parties, not having a lot of stuff going on, staying at home, not going to restaurants. First thing that happens, basketball season's in full effect. College basketball season starting up or getting winding down. You're about to get into the conference tournaments. And one of the lower, not the 1A, the 2A, it was the three, one of the 3A tournaments decides to cancel their tournament. A lot of them said, you know what, we're going to have the tournament. We're not going to have people in the stands. Private organizations making the decision to enforce social distancing by canceling people's tickets. Yes, they're going to lose some money, but they did it on their own. And then as things progress further, a lot of them them start making the decision, we're going to have these tournaments, but we're not going to have them with people in the stands. And then one day, the N- the NBA comes out and says, we're canceling the rest of the season because two of our players ended up with a coronavirus in Utah. The NBA, a profit-motivated company, cancels the rest of their season, suspends their season. We're going to be en- we're going to be done with this. We're not going to be liable for bringing people in and spreading the coronavirus. No government official told them they have to do that. They did that on their own. 
Next thing you hear, concerts start getting canceled left and right. I was supposed to go to a concert this summer. It was the, uh, not Dave Matthews Band. That was one of the ones I wanted to go to as well. But now I'm not going to go to that one. But it was uh, the Zach Brown Band. I was going to be going to that concert this summer. And I get a notification from Ticketmaster. It's been canceled. No government told them that they have to cancel that. They did it on their own. They took a loss on profits because it was in the best interest of their customers. And then you had, after the NBA canceled theirs, it literally was a snowball effect. The NBA made the decision first. It went three, four, five days. All sporting events pretty much in the entire United States canceled. Even my kids' soccer canceled. Not because the government locked them down. Not because the government told them they have to. Because they knew it was in the best interest of the people to do it. So they did it. You don't need the government telling me what to do. The government's going to get out there and lead. And if we look back in the past 10 years from now, people will look back and say, oh yeah, the government shut everything down, da 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 and protected everybody. Like That's the way that it'll be perceived in the future, I'm sure. But it started with private organizations stopping. Private organizations taking a loss. Private organizations making those executive decisions to shut down. And they did. And then the government, because they, you never heard the you ever heard this the saying like the politician, there's a band going down or there's a there's a parade going down the street, and then the politician jumps out in front and acts like he's leading the parade. That's what the politicians are doing. They're jumping out in front of the parade. The parade was already happening. People were stopping to make those stopping social interaction. They were stopping going to like large festivals they were canceling them left and right private entities were doing that restaurants were shutting down on their own slowing down things spacing people six feet apart trying to do what's in the best interest of their customers and what's in the best interest of the people because they knew that it would be the best way to do it because 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 people want to make good decisions and protect themselves people have self-interest that's just the way it is so 2.2 million people, the news starts, are going to die from this. The news starts broadcasting, talking about what's going on with the coronavirus. It's in China. It's moving towards America. Oh my gosh, there's lots of cases in America. Holy cow, we have some Utah jazz players who got it, shut things down. People make individual decisions about something. So all of a sudden, because of all the news coverage of the coronavirus... 2.2 million people dying, people making individual decisions to change the way that they're going about their lives because of fear, because of self-interest. Now we have that the amount of people that are going to die from it is going to go significantly down because people are going to make different decisions on their own without government. So I would say in that world, and maybe I'm naive, I don't know, but I would say in that world, we don't need the government to be telling us to lock ourselves down. My family has not really been out there on their own, like been doing a lot of stuff outside of our house. We haven't just because we want to protect ourselves from getting the coronavirus. 
we probably won't die from it. We might not even get sick from it. But we might come into contact with someone that does or could get sick from it. So we want to protect them as well. We're making those decisions. My wife's company decided that before the government did all the shutdown stuff, they said, you know what? We're going to go ahead and shut things down until the beginning of April. And then they decided to extend it to the end of May. So she's not going to be going to work until after May, but she's still working from home. A lot of companies decided to let their people work from home. Those were decisions that were made despite the government. So people are going to change their daily routines because of that, because of the news, because of information, despite the government. So now the government has shut everything down, forced people who are hair salon owners people that cut hair for a living to shut down their their barber shops or their hair salons or their nail salons forcing people who have invested their entire life savings in the a business to stop opening up their business every day to arrest them if they go to work take away their license to work their business license if they don't do what the government tells them to do That's a terrible thing for those people. Businesses are going to be going out of business left and right because of this. People who have their entire life savings, lives are going to be devastated because of this. Because the government forces them to shut down. People are going to make individual decisions, guys. There's something called individual responsibility and it's been lost on Americans in this whole coronavirus epidemic. The whole fear that goes along with the coronavirus. Individual responsibility. Every individual is going to make individual choices every single day. And it's your responsibility to take care of yourself. It's not the government's responsibility to take care of you. The government should not have to tell you to stay home. You'll make that decision on your own, right? Most people will. A lot of people will. Some people won't take it serious. But if 75, 80% take it serious, there's 20% out there that won't and we'll still have better outcomes than 2.2 million deaths you'll still flatten the curve in some way people will make individual decisions it's called personal responsibility and we all have it and we all should embrace it but this is the thing like so I'm reading an article about the people in Sweden and yeah it's great that they're not shutting down their entire country it's great that they're not enforcing all this crazy stuff but one of the things that i heard someone say and it just tells the mentality of people in, a, in an article that i read is the person said yeah well the government has not said for me to stay home so i'm going to go ahead and keep going out and going to the bar that's the mentality of some people the government didn't tell me to do it so i'm not going to do it that is the opposite of personal responsibility, guys. We need to make our own personal decisions on this, but it seems like individual responsibility has been lost on Americans. And that sickens me, man. It really does. Because we need to be back to a culture that says, I'm responsible for me, you're responsible for you. But you know what? If we want to be responsible for each other, that's fine. We have the free will to do that. And let's work together to, to stop this thing. We don't need the government to be the one that's shutting down the entire economy. 
But these people, they will take advantage of a crisis. Never let a good crisis go to waste, right? The politicians, they don't have anything to lose by saying, you know what, let's just shut down the entire state of South Carolina. Let's shut down the entire state of New York. They don't have anything to lose. Because in the end, this is what's going to happen. They're going to be able to win either way. There's less deaths from the coronavirus. Oh, look, what we did was right. And if there's lots of deaths from the coronavirus, well, you know what? Just think about it. If we didn't do the lockdown, think about all the deaths we would have had then. They win either way. Whether they do it or they don't, or whether there's lots of deaths or a few deaths, they win either way. Because you can't prove the negative on that. You can't say, well, you know what? We didn't need a lockdown. It would be impossible to really prove that. So the politician wins. The politician says, I saved lives, re-elect me. And that's what they're trying to do. But never let a good crisis go to waste. So that's what I wanted to talk about for the rest of the show, okay? Um, so, obviously, the personal, individual responsibility, that's your responsibility. Are you going to get on a cruise ship right now? Probably not. Not, not a very good decision to make, right? Um, but the crisis that we're in right now, they just passed that two point, two point I think it ended up being like $2.2 trillion dollars. So it wasn't just $2 trillion. It started at $1 trillion. Then it moved to like $1.5 trillion. Then it went to $2 trillion. I think in the end it was $2.2 trillion. Isn't that insane? That is a lot of money. That is more than half of what the government takes in in tax revenue every single year. That's more than half. So now Trump wants to have another $2 trillion stimulus for infrastructure. He says, you know what? interest rates are the lowest they've been we can borrow it at zero percent and that's that so let's go ahead and do all the infrastructure that we need we need to take out two trillion dollars in loans and go ahead and do that we need to take two trillion dollars and we're going to go ahead and spend it on infrastructure is that not the epitome of crony capitalism at its best and the reason why i say this because everyone's going to be coming to get that two trillion dollars just like they all came to get the other two trillion dollars the one and a half trillion dollars was left over after they decided to cut checks to for $1,200 to every American and $500 to their kids or something. And that's not every American. It's people that make a certain amount or whatever. So you're going to get some of your tax money back and they're going to say, oh, look, we gave you money when it was really your money in the first place. And then there's a $1.5 trillion left over. The first part of the bill said that $50 billion is going to the airline industry. We're going to be bailing out, you, me, every taxpayer in America, we're bailing out the airline industry. This is the industry that has been buying back stocks to increase the share price and all that. And I heard Thomas Massey say it the other day, and it was really a good point. We're socializing the loss, but they are privatizing the profits in the airline industry. And the airline prices, the stocks start going down, and they need to raise money. They need to raise revenue in order to stay in business. So what does a business do when it needs to raise revenue or raise money to stay in business. First of all, they sell the stocks. They sell their stock. But they don't want to sell their stocks. They've been buying back all these stocks. They've been using the profits to buy back stock. And they want to keep those stock prices, or they want to keep that stock in the company so it doesn't dilute their own shares. So the board of directors is going to the government to bail them out, $50 billion. What else can a company do, a private company do? They could borrow money against their existing business. So they have lots of assets. They have lots of airplanes. They have lots of buildings. 
Why don't they borrow the $50 billion? Five or six airlines that are out there, right? They could borrow the five, they could borrow the 50 billion between them. I'm sure of it. But they don't want to because they know the precedent's been set back in 2008 that they are too big to fail, that they can get the money that they need in order to stay in business without selling their shares and without taking out the loans. They can make that money back through the government because the government will say that they're too big to fail. So first we have the airline industry getting bailed out. And then you have all other all these other industries that are trying to get their money as well. Everyone. I mean, I go around to different places and I talk to business owners. Oh yeah, I'm applying for that $10,000 grant. Oh, I'm applying for this. And you know what? Helping out the small business, the politicians love to say, look, we helped out the small business. See that? Reelect me. <clears throat> all because of the shutdown. All because people are freaked out and scared. But if we made people prepare for a rainy day, not made them, but individual responsibility, personal responsibility, business responsibility, they wouldn't have the money for the rainy day, but we've been living on debt. That's what it really comes down to. So we have $1.5 trillion in money that's just going to be going out to different companies and so forth. And then I hear the other day that you have Carnival Cruise, Royal Caribbean, they're taking losses right now, right? So now they want to get bailed out as well. These are companies that are not even American companies. These are companies that that sail the flag of like the Bahamas or Nicaragua or Panama. These are not even American companies and they're coming to the American government to get bailed out. Because the precedent's been set, guys. People expect their government to bail them out when rainy days happen. It's just, it's it's a bad precedent, and it's it's just it's something that's going to spiral and continue throughout history. And it's it's just the fact that they did it in two thousand eight. They bailed out the banks, the insurance companies, the auto industry, and now everyone expects it. So the risks that they take in the good times, the profits that they make in the good times, they don't save the money for a rainy day. They put it all back into the prof- all back into the profits in the company. They pay it out in dividends. That's fine. I'm okay with companies doing that. You could have ownership of companies and blah blah blah. I'm not a, against corporate. I'm not against corporations and by any means, but I am. Uh, I mean, there, there's there's some political philosophy that I have behind corporations that I don't want to get into now. But if you're a business owner and you can do what you want to, but to expect the socialization of the of the losses every single time I just think that's completely wrong we don't want the taxpayer on the hook every single time a company has to go through a rainy day it's called corporate socialism corporate welfare let them go out of business because when they go out of business when they declare bankruptcy it's not like the airplanes just go away another buyer comes in buys all the assets and uses them they, they buy it at a cheaper rate. So $50 billion worth of assets, all of a sudden they go into bankruptcy, they got to sell it for $25 billion. Boom, someone else comes in, invests a bunch of capital in it, gets that airplane, airline back and running, and it, like the money is used to its best allocation. It's allocated to the best use at that point. 
But right now, by socializing it, we're keeping bad businesses and businesses, business and businesses that make bad decisions during good times, we're keeping them in business, is what it really comes down to. But they want to continue to bail out more and more of these companies, and more and more companies are coming to them saying, hey, what about me? What about me? We're in bad times right now, what about me? But anyway, guys, that's all I really got for you today. I wanted to also talk about... You know what? I'll go ahead and talk about it now. The long-term effects of this shutdown. I want to give you guys a little bit of a warning, okay? And the reason why is because I'm a little bit I'm a little bit scared, to be honest with you. I'm a little bit worried about what's going to happen in the future. We have a long-term shutdown that's been going on for two weeks now. It's going to be going on for another month, maybe even two more months. And I've heard that we're not going to stop the social distancing rules until there's no more new cases and no more deaths by the coronavirus. That could be 10 years from now, because the coronavirus is going to be around forever. There's no plan. There's no game plan. But I want to talk about the long-term costs, because, or the long-term ramifications to you, because you might think that's just going to pass. You might think that things are just going to go away. You might think that, oh, it's only going to be a couple more weeks, whatever. But I was reading in the newspaper the other day that a lot of the migrant workers that come from Mexico, so 90% of all harvested material, like harvested plants in America, the farm workers are from Mexico. And they get a little visa that they come over here and work, you know, for a short amount of time so then they could make some money and then go back home. And they're basically farm workers. So the farm worker goes out there and they do, they do what they do and then they go back to Mexico. Well, the only people that can get a visa to come back to America to work this season are people that had it last year because they shut down the embassy in Mexico City. They stopped issuing new visas for people to come. So the, But if you came here last year, you can get a new visa. The problem is that, with that is that 50 or 60% of the people that came last year are going to come back with the other 40 or 50% are not going to come back. That's just the going, that's just the way that it is in that particular industry. So you have 50% of the people are new workers that are coming over and have never done it before. So we're going to have half the workers possibly on the farms. That means we're going to have half the production, half the food. That's a little bit worrisome if you ask me. Prices are going to go up for food. You're going to have less food. You're going to have less, I mean, like, not that we're going to be starving to death in America by any means, that I can't imagine, but there's going to be challenges ahead. They're talking about conservatively having 20% unemployment. That's higher than it was during the financial crisis in 2007, 2008. That's college students that graduate from college that can't get jobs. That's people that have been working for for years and years and years that can't find jobs. That's youth unemployment rate skyrocketing. What happens then, guys? Does it turn to crime? Does crime spike because people are just sitting around they can't get jobs? Conservatively, 20%. So what if it's 30%, 35%, like some people say? I've heard that number as well. That's like the outlier. So I'm not going to make headlines with that. But what if that's the case? Be prepared, okay? Just be prepared. Be ready for food prices to possibly go up. I mean, inflation, where we, we just printed $2 trillion, they're talking about printing $2 trillion more? Does that lead to inflation across the board in America? 
are your value are your dollars worth less than they were yesterday because of that that's something you got to worry about a gallon of milk goes from two dollars to five dollars do we have to worry about that i don't know but i want you to be prepared i want you to think about that and be prepared okay because I don't know the ramifications. I've been trying to figure it out in my mind. I've been trying to work it out as an economic model and all that stuff. And all I see is the potential for prices to skyrocket. I don't see like, you know, rapid inflation of, you know, 100% or anything like that. But I mean, that's possible. I don't see 10,000% inflation, but that's possible. What I do see is a little bit of scarcity out there going forward. And if the unemployment rate skyrockets, that is going to be terrible for our economy. That's all the stuff that's been going on lately with, you know, just the ability of Americans to have a lot of stuff. Like, that goes away. Now, that stuff is unimportant. I think family is way more important. But we just be ready. Be prepared. Save for a rainy day, okay? Because I do feel like it might be coming and I want you to be protected, all right? Uh, but that's all I got for you. Thank you for joining me every Monday and Thursday for the show. Uh, if you want to, you can email me, ray at iamtheempire.com. I'd love to hear from you. And also, you can follow me on iamtheempire.com as well as I am the Empire. If you type that into Facebook and on Twitter, you'll see news articles that I post as well. Uh, and then from there, you know what? If you give me a five-star rating and review on Apple iTunes, that would be phenomenal. I just got myself a few more five-star ratings, which was great. And that helped me to get up to four stars on Apple iTunes. So that, that makes me really happy. And if you can do that on your Apple Podcast app, go and give me a five-star rating and a review if you really like the show, all right? Uh, but the best thing you could do every single Monday and Thursday is listen. So come on back on Monday, and you'll have clear vision for 2020.